Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to Energy Speaks Back, powered by B2B Energy. My name is Paul Webb, and I'm the founder of B2B Energy, and I'm also your host. And weekly, I present to you energy experts from around the world. Welcome to episode 115. This is a special episode of Energy Speaks Back, which is revisited, where I invite experts back into the studio. Our purpose, as always, is to provide a good understanding of energy management knowledge from around the world, which is available today for us to deliver savings that impact on our planet. On our journey of knowledge sharing, we would like to thank our sponsors and certificate partners, Esther Energy. Today's special guest has now been interviewed three times by myself, and she has a trilogy of episodes, which I seek you to go and listen to those. So without any further ado, I give you Jenny Bailey. Good afternoon, Jenny, and how are you today? Hello, Paul. I'm very, very well, thank you. It's great to be here again. It's, it's amazing, lovely. isn't it? Yes. It feels like yesterday. <laughs> Should we? De- yes. I- I'm going to dedicate all the podcasts to yourself because you're the, I think you're the only person I've interviewed three times. You're really? a trilogy. It's a trilogy. Seriously, I'm the only yeah. person. Yeah, you wow, are. Wow, that's incredible. And you were telling me a minute ago, you've now um, done 117 podcasts. So congratulations. That's right. Thank you. That's fantastic. B2B Energy is taking off, no doubt about it. Thank you very much. And I love, you know what, I, I'm really passionate about it and I really enjoy doing it. So it does, you know, it's nice to to be able to do that as well, you know. I feel as I'm giving something back. We use the podcast uh, for training. So I make all the the delegates on the training listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. I tell them not to listen to the early ones because <laughs> they get better oh, as they go along. But been, yeah. it's amazing how many sort of takeaways that people get and the insights. It really does. It is very valuable to to people. So I'm pleased about it. It makes made my day. I'm not surprised. I mean, out of the 170 you've interviewed, you've had so many thought leaders and and kind of um, experts in their field and everything like that. Um, so, I mean, I'm not surprised you use them for training because it's, mm. it's, it's the knowledge, isn't it? And it's exactly. And sharing that knowledge, yeah, very which much so. you yeah. do regarding your books and things. And we're going to talk about that, obviously. So Jenny, uh, for the benefit of our audience, obviously you're in Ashford. It's not, you're quite close to as the, the crow flies, but not as the road drives, aren't you? Cause you, we've got the Thames <laughs> in a way of us. What's the weather? doing you know i remember last time we talked about the spring was coming and the bees were coming out what sort of experiences have you seen already wow i mean last week we had lots of thunderstorms didn't we across the country and and flooding and and all that sort of thing again um i was happy to report this weekend we actually saw the sunshine which was gorgeous and my garden because it's no mo may at the moment paul and i hope you're doing no mo may too because it's so so important the plant life um um, plan that they've got going out there. My garden is full of puffball heads of dandelions. It really wow. is. I was going to take a picture of it earlier because it's it's stunning. So there's daisies and buttercups and dandelions in all sorts of stages, mm. but lots of puffballs. So it reminds me of the um, Horton Hears Who thing at the moment with that, that puffball right. that's got a whole world on it. Do you, yeah, do you yeah. know what I mean? Incredible. So, yes, there's so, lots going on. Is it wrong to pick those up and blow them I don't think it's wrong to pick them up and blow them. You know, once, once you've always done it as a child. 
Yeah, we used to tell the time with them, actually, didn't we? Um, you know, you know, I thought it was something to, to to take the whole load of seeds off the off the head of right. the dandelion. But do you know what? They can travel up to five miles before they really? sometimes, and they're little parachutes, aren't they? With seeds, yeah, on yeah, each one. exactly. It's it's astounding. It's a childhood. I don't know about on. yourself, but it's a childhood thing for me as well. Yeah, remembering blowing them and yeah. I was actually yeah, showing my blow, girlfriend. Breathe in, breathe yeah. in, <laughs> I showed my girlfriend how that works. She was amazed. She's from oh. Thailand. They don't have that sort of um sort of I said, you wouldn't believe it, but this is really classed as a weed, you know, in, in people's gardens as such. Yeah, we're stopping that, aren't we? we? We don't do that anymore. Yeah. It's, we're yeah, starting stopping crazy. that right here. Yeah. Because it's, it's not a weed. It's not no. a weed. I mean, the more I've learned about dandelions, actually, the more I've learned that they oxygenate the soil. They only land and grow where they're needed. Mm-hmm. They help the soil in so many ways. They're beneficial to the ground. It, it's like, how can you call that a weed? And and when I go and talk to children, you know, what is a weed? How do we determine a weed? Yeah. And really, it's just a, a flower planted in the wrong place. What's and it comes common... down to our intention of where we want our plants. So What's it, the common thing now that's growing in the hedge groves? Is it growing with a white flower? Very well, strong. Could be. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Sorry, you were going to say it was a very strong, kind of quite a pungent smell. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Smell. Well, it could be wild garlic. All right. Because that looks quite similar to um, to those that don't know. It looks quite similar to you could well, people could mistake it for um, bluebells, the white variety. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's been ama- I think the bluebells have been amazing this year. Yeah, they have. They're still out. Actually, we were part, um, yeah. driving past some woods the other day, and, and we walked through some woods, and they're still out. Which and I've awesome. seen them growing wild in just in pathways as well, which I haven't seen before. And forget me nots. So it's strange yes. how we're seeing. Yes. And for me personally, and I'm sorry we're talking about this, but this is sort of part of our conversations uh, where we're going with this today. But daffodils for me have been very prolific this year. Uh, so sorry, not daffodils. Daffodils come up early, but mm-hmm. tulips seem to be very prolific this year and very various different colours I've noticed oh. as well. And I don't know whether that's something that's – we're seeing these changes, aren't we? Well, it, it's – yeah, I mean, we've <sighs> – I mean, it seems like our land is quite wet at the moment, that's for sure, with the amount of rain yeah. we've had. I, although I think we were quite close to a drought last year, weren't we, when the, when the summer kind of turned into autumn. It was very, yeah. very parched and dry. But I think this spring has been particularly wet. Um, and I think the land and, and the flowers and the, the plants and everything have kind of benefited from that. And, and yeah, they, they've shot up nice and early, um, although there still was a cold snap. So they kind of came out yeah. early and then had a bit of a shake when the uh, when the snow came down and the ice sort of froze over again. Yeah. Um, but now I think they're they're in full bloom and the pollinators out there are just having a great time, which is they wonderful are, definitely. to see. The definitely. birds are obviously going through the nesting process at the moment of spring. And um, hopefully the caterpillars have all ha- you know, all hatched in the right time for the blue tips and, and all the other birds out there because they actually coincide at the exact time the caterpillars um, are in the in the woods, which is incredible. You think mm. about it. I mean, there's so many incredible things out there. Um, and like are, I said before, you just have to take your time and, and notice them. We underestimate nature, don't we? Hugely. Yes, we do. Yes. We really do. Everything about it. We, yeah. we underestimate it. And if we're not connected with it, in a way, more for us if we're not yeah. connected with it, because it's so, so important to us. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can, you, technology can take us so many places, obviously into the virtual world and beyond now and different realms and, and all that stuff. But I think nature grounds us. Yeah. And we need that grounding every now and then to realise that, you know, that the clock's ticking out there and, and nature is moving on and, and it's got its own rhythm. And, 
and that grounds us that that's really important for us to connect with as well and and it's funny because you we have summer and then we're into autumn and then we're into winter then we're back into spring and yeah well that's it, the seasons yeah it's the cycle isn't it mm, and we're never going to ever ever get away with that never no. ever going to get away from that no that will hopefully no absolutely yeah absolutely that will never change and that's the constant isn't it yeah but it's the constant change if you're with me it's not constant stop it will never no. stop Just it's the constant change and that grounds us to know that things are moving on yeah. And and for us and our mental health, that's so, so important because we can go, you know, tomorrow's another day. We, we can move on to another day like nature. Yeah. Um, but in terms of what nature has to deal with, um, it, it, there's life and death and all sorts of things out there, literally in, in your square meter in your garden. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's like the Serengeti right there and then, isn't it? So exactly. incredible. Exactly. Jenny, you're obviously f- three episodes in. The audience, if they haven't listened to all of the, those three trilogies, and I'm going to try and get everyone to listen to those, they need to understand who Jenny is, what's her origin story. So can you briefly go over that? I know we talked about it last time, but can you just give, for the benefit of the audience of mm-hmm. this episode, can you give us your background and your origin story today? Wow, I don't think we've got enough time for all of this, but I'll, <laughs> I'll try and give you a snapshot, definitely. I, yeah, no, thank you, Paul, for this opportunity. That That's really kind of you. Um, I can't believe I've been on a trilogy now with your brilliant podcast. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm Jenny and I'm, um, I'm an author from Tales from Other Earth. We started Tales from Other Earth back in uh, 2020 after the idea came and kind of formed in my mind and a colleague's mind um, about the fact to write children's storybooks to connect them with nature. That's our whole mission. Mm-hmm. The more I looked into it, the more I realised that by collaborating with organizations like-minded organizations and individuals more can so much more can be achieved um and when david attenborough said the words that the garden of eden was no more i just thought what can i do yeah um you know he was pleading with us wasn't he to do something about the environment to not to waste um any resource that we had in our in our hands at all and to treat everything as um incredible finite materials so i i listened to that and and for first and foremost as well, with all of that going on, I'm a mum. Yeah. And being a parent, you, you look at the future, you look at your children, you think at the next generations and you think, you know, you want them to have what you have. And you think mm. that's that's a given right in a way. And to be told necessarily that that's not necessarily going to be the case, it's, it's really hard for any parent to hear. I mean, I want my children to grow up knowing how important nature is and to feel connected with nature and they do and I, and I cherish that about them and and we go out and, and witness a lot of nature and natural surroundings and we love it we actually embrace it completely um but I want that always to be the case I, mm. I want the world to always be there and I want the world to always be green and beautiful and I want our our, our um the air we breathe to always be sweet and fulfilling rather than um, poisonous in any way. I want I want the land always to be fertile. I want our crops to be grown correctly. Yeah. Um, it, it's also so important. And, and it really comes down to the fundamentals, I think, for me, to connect with nature. Because if you feel connected with nature, you feel better about your life. Yeah. And so many problems are out there with children at the moment about mental health. And so it was a twofold pronged attack in a way, when um, David Attenborough said the Garden of Eden was no more and I just went, I need to do something. I wanted to help nature. Um, I'm a con- conservationist at heart. Um, so I wanted to help nature and help as much as I could 
to do what I can do in some small way to enable nature and to enable wildlife. Um, and also as, as the element of a parent, I wanted to help children um, with their mental health. And because of I've seen the benefits from my children of connecting them with nature and going yeah. out, just, you don't need to spend money. You really yeah. don't need to spend money. You can, as I said earlier, you can look at the square meter in your garden and see the whole Serengeti happening there before your eyes with, with the mini the mini beasts, as it were, running around and doing their thing. Um, and then you can scale it up. And, and, and this time of year as well, looking at spring, there is so much life and abundance out there yeah. that you can just watch. You can just be observing um, the incredible wildlife and the incredible stories that are unfolding out there. And with all that going on, I just thought, if I could write some stories to to enable that process, to give them that benefit of feeling that they can do something about it, which I solely believe everybody can, yeah. um, then I'm going to be doing something right. Um, and that's really where Tales from Other Earth originated from, from the conversation saying, let's do something. Um, and also around that time, there was a big report coming out about the pollinators being in decline across the world. And that focused my mind very strongly on the pollinators and the bees in particular um, and wanting to help them um, but wanting to help them but also wanting to educate people in the importance of bees how important they are mm. um, what they need from us and very simply Paul they, they need more wildflowers you know with us having what 97% of our wildflowers disappearing in the last 40-50 years no wonder bees and mm. pollinators are in decline in this country and, and also across the world but you know, we can do things to turn things around. And it's it's an education to inform children and all of us, really, because when I go and do presentations at school, the teachers are there going, well, I never knew that. I'd, I'd, I'd never heard yeah. that before. Yeah. So it's an education for everybody. So it's the parents, the teachers and the children. But out of all of them, the children are the most switched on in lots of respects. They're there kind of buzzing, going, yeah, I, I know what I need to do. Let's go and do it. Let's go and help the help the bees and help mm. the pollinators. So much so, I did a presentation last week at a school and the teacher sent me a message saying the children after the presentation actually hounded on the groundskeeper and said, do not cut grass, <laughs> which was fantastic. Yeah. They didn't yeah. want the grass cut and they're actually turning this grass area now into a, a Phoebe the Bee Meadow because they can see everything that's coming up there. Yeah. And that's the thing, if we cut our grass far too often and we have this, this need in us, because over culture, over time, it's been embedded in us to keep everything neat and tidy. Yeah. Well, as you know, nature isn't always neat and, and green tidy. with it all in the stripes. Oh, gosh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, all those stripes and, and all green, those pictures. nothing growing on them at all. Yeah. And then the whole the whole understanding of what a weed is and, mm. you know, and, and seeing... Well, we touched on that just now, the differentiation between a weed and not a weed and a plant. Mm. You know, it all comes down to your mindset in a way. Exactly, it really does. I mean, my garden now is probably full of weeds. In some people's understanding, <laughs> they'll go, "Well, you've got those yellow things growing, and you've got those white things, and what are those blue things?" And and that's that, and that will take over. And but I'm okay. It it can take over that corner of the garden. I'm happy with that yeah. because I've seen the benefit that it provides to um to the biodiversity in my garden. You know, if something's not eating your garden plants and something's not eating the the animals and the insects and everything in your garden, then you haven't even got an ecosystem. You've got a, you know, you've got quite a plain environment that um that isn't sustaining life. And I, for one, want the opposite. I want my environment, my garden, to sustain life because I know, as an observing person, how amazing that is for me to witness that, for me to show my children how amazing that is, mm. um and. I wouldn't contemplate the opposite of having a sterile environment for my garden. 
And isn't it nice to be leaving the planet as we arrived? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It'd be perfect. That's a perfect world, isn't it? If yeah. we could do that. I don't yeah. think we're going to because life has moved on too quickly with cars and airplanes, mm. etc. Mm. You know, there's lots of things that have stopped it from being as 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 it was. You know, I I, I love walking and I've been walking recently and just seeing we talked about dandelions earlier. Just seeing that and picking up that dandelion and, and blowing the feathers off, that reminded me of my childhood. I would never want to steal that feeling no. or that memory yeah. from other children. Yeah. Well, as a parent, up. you pass that sort of thing down, don't exactly. you? Exactly. I picked a yeah. few dandelions in the past and with my and, children, and you, we've blown them. Yeah. Rightly or wrongly, you pick a buttercup and you put it on your, yeah, your chin. Yeah, so you say, like butter. Do you like butter? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Why do you do that? That's but the it innocence reflects. of it. Yeah, the, the nature's created like a reflection. It's just beautiful, isn't it? Colors are incredible. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. They, they really are. Um, can, there's, it's, it's there's, so not, there's not a yellow like it, is there? As a buttercup? No, no, it's incredible. Mm. And I mean, and the bees and the pollinators see those colors in such a different array of brightness as well. Because yeah. a bee has five eyes, for instance, and it can see an ultraviolet. So there's actually. I mean, where the where the coin and um, term of um, beeline comes from, you know, bees do make a beeline for those plants because they, yeah. they see the vivid colours and they literally go in and land on them almost like a, a plane landing on a runway because the colours are so bright they they make a beeline for them. And that's um, nature, isn't so, it? That's yeah. why because they want to be pollinated, so they they are as bright as they can be to attract. That's yeah. right, absolutely, yeah. And they're symbolic. That's why nature is so intelligent. Going on for such a long time. And, yeah. you know, we're only talking about a very small part of it. You know, when you look at the whole picture of nature, it, it is. blows your mind. We, we can't does, comprehend it. It's a bit, like, it's a bit like space. We we can't kind of take it all in sometimes. We're still, you know, there's still so much to learn about it. Mm. I mean, if you heard of the fact that the trees talk to each other and the mycelium and base and everything, which is incredible as well, and the fungi and all of that. I mean, I heard about the, the wood wide web. It's just incredible. Mm. Um, it's just yeah, it's it's amazing. It amazes me every day, and by that whole process of being amazed, it makes me feel so good. Yeah, and, and that is that feeling of being connected, which is which is priceless. And I never want that to change. And so, if I can incorporate that in our books, if I can give a child an understanding of not just a book and a story that touches their heart, that let's face it, is a is a fictional story, but of a very real fact. Because as yeah. you know, our books are all about teaching children what they can do to look after the the wildlife that's in trouble today and mm. um, if i can incorporate that into our books and give them those um the conservation message to to take away the action steps that they can actually do that they can make a difference and they can grow wildflowers for instance or they can put up um, a hedgehog highway sign on their fence and make a hole in their fence yeah. or they can put up a nest box and they can see the benefit very quickly that that provides for nature and then they can sort of pat themselves on the back and go, I did that. Yeah. And, and that whole feeling, that whole encapsulated process, I think is so special. Yeah. Let's go through the books. So how many books did you say? Well, now we've got three. Three. Well, very soon we'll nearly, have four. Ne nearly as many as you've done episodes on Energy Speaks Back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I like that. One more. It's a bit one of a more. race. We'll have to do another one. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to catch up. So the first one was Phoebe the Bee. Yeah, very much so, Phoebe the bee, because she's the most important living species on the planet, yeah. um, as I was informed in 2019. Yes. Um, so it just made sense. Phoebe the bee was in my mind, and she was written incredibly fast at that yeah. point. So, yeah, Phoebe the bee's first. Number two? Spike the hedgehog. Right. 
teaching children how important the hedgehog highway is and if they're lucky enough to have a hedgehog in their environment what they need to do to look after it so and how does the environment aware. benefit from hedgehogs what well, is if the... you're a gardener, I mean, they eat all your slugs and snails and your invertebrates in your garden. Right. Um, you would in, you would benefit, obviously, from having a hedgehog in your garden because you've got a wild animal in your garden. How amazing would that be? Yeah. Um, they would benefit because you could be looking after them in the correct and proper way. And at the end of the day, they're they're part of a they're part of the environment. They're part they're part of the biodiversity in your garden. So they're a chain. They're a link. They're yeah. part of nature, and and they they should have every right to be there. Yeah. So, um, you know, they can benefit your garden, but it's not all about what benefits us. It's about we've got to turn that around. Really, we should look at our gardens as more of a shared space rather than just an extension of our lounge. Coexistence as such. Yeah, very much so a coexistence. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then book three. Book three is Stanley the Water Vole. Um, water voles are in decline across the, uh, the country as well as our hedgehogs. Hedgehogs are on the red list to extinction, which is incredibly sad. So we need to do we need to do all we can do to look after both hedgehogs and water voles. Um, but Stanley's story um, has the added element, if you like, of looking at plastic in our waterways um, for aquatic and semi-aquatic animals. Right. And again, Paul, what we can do to actually minimise that and think about that environment and what we can do to help. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a really important message because I go out litter collecting. Um, I, I think it's a good thing. I encourage my children. We all go out together and, and litter pick. Um, and again, it makes you feel good because there's so many things you can do these days where you can do something, work at something for an hour or two hours, look back and see the difference you've made in the environment. Yeah. And I, I firmly believe if you walk past litter and you see something, you've clocked it, you, you kind of witnessed it and you've gone, that's litter. It shouldn't mm. be there. Let's face it. It's in the wrong. And then you should you should take ownership of that. I agree. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It is your responsibility from that point forward. If you didn't see it, then you can't do anything about it. But if you actually see it, clock it, and kind of go right, that shouldn't be there. I agree. You should take ownership of it, and the responsibility yeah. is yours then to get rid of it. So yeah. Didn't you say a funny story about some lady come up to you and said, "Have your children done something wrong?" Yes, yes. Well, I've had that in the past, actually. Uh, we've been out litter collecting with our buckets and grabbers and all that sort of thing. Um, and yes, I, I had a couple, an elderly couple come up to me and said, oh, are the children being punished? And I went, sorry? Crazy, <laughs> are, isn't it? are they being punished because they're litter collecting? And I guess maybe in that generation, maybe litter collecting was seen as a, um, a social um, um, almost punishment. Yeah. You know, it was it was yeah. one of those things. And maybe people were, you know, if, if they needed to be reprimanded in some way legally, it would be a certain amount of hours of civil duty, maybe litter collecting. I mean, maybe that's in the past now. Or I don't know if they do that, that often now, but um, maybe that was what was in their mind, you know, mm. with the HV jackets on and everybody out there litter collecting. But we didn't see it as that. I've never seen it as that. I've no. just seen it as I like living in this environment and I want to make, make sure a it's difference. safe for everyone. Yeah. yeah, and make a difference in our small way that we can make a difference, although that's, that's cumulative because I think I also mentioned to you that time we went and um, there, there's a, a pathway from here to town that we take quite regularly and it goes through um, another area of um, housing area. Um, and I noticed that it was getting a bit choked and the pathway was looking a bit bad and the common was looking a bit bad. And so one weekend I said to my kids, right, come on, guys, we're taking our litter pickers and our buckets and we're going up here. And, and we did. And it was incredible. Um, people were opening their doors and kids were coming out with buckets and gloves. And we had about 25 people, I think, towards the end of the session. We were there. People were climbing trees to get blooms down from trees. Wow. 
and and it, you know it started with just us going okay i think we need to look at that area because it, it needs a bit of a cleanup hmm. but you know parents were coming out they were as kids were coming out more gloves were coming out and buckets and and bags and just to clean the area it becomes it, contagious it felt doesn't so it good. yeah it becomes contagious yeah and all those children it's spreading the day. right virus for me yeah. it's spreading oh, the right so. virus isn't it yeah yeah you, if you look at it in that in those terms yeah you you can definitely say that but it it felt so good because all those children were laughing and happy and they knew they were doing something so worthwhile than maybe what they had been doing in the house. Um, and I don't know, obviously, what they were doing in the houses, but they they were just so happy to help. Mm. And I'm thinking, this is brilliant. You know, this is this is what it's all about, that community spirit of let, let's let's make a difference and yeah. for the better. And let's I guess for our point of view, it's, it's the education as, as a parent, as an adult. We need to educate children that that's a good thing to do yeah. and it's it's about community so is it there's going to be book four yes well book four wow yes um that's really exciting that's coming out on the 6th of june which is world green roof day um and that's where everybody celebrates around the world the importance and the benefit and the wonderful structure that a green roof is um i was introduced to the world of green roofs um, by their uh, past chairman an amazing man called mark harris um, of Grow and Grow is the green roof organisation that is the best practice uh, non-profit organisation that covers the UK um, and they've got a huge amount of members now that are putting green roofs um, around the country and we're all benefiting from it in so many ways. Um, so he he was introduced to us through our books and what we've done and when I met him at a trade show in London I showed him Phoebe the Bee um, and he invited me into the Grow community uh, with open arms, really. And, and I've got a lot to thank him for because I think he really saw the, the larger picture yeah. um, of how maybe he had in, in his mind from word go. I don't know. But how our books and the education process can benefit um, their organisation in spreading the word, really, how important yeah. green roofs are and, and what they give back to biodiversity, which when I found that out, it just made sense for me to you know, belong um, tells from other earth to connect with, like I said, about like-minded organizations. They are one. They really are, which is mm. fantastic. Um, the way I can see you, it, the more housing... Can you define a green roof though, please? Well, it's very simple actually to define a green roof. It's, it's any roof structure that you can put um, plants on, that you can grow something on. Right. It's a sedum roof, which is like just natural wildflowers and sedums, um, or whether it's you can actually grow vegetables on a green roof. Right. Um, you can have bees on a green roof. You can have shrubs and uh, all sorts of things on a green roof. But by the very nature of them being green, you're giving something back to biodiversity, which is incredible. So mm. usually they're flat roofs. They're flat roof structures that have a, a special membrane on them that can grow plants on them. Um, but even if you use them for sun lounging and you have pots up there as well, you know, that's still, in my understanding, a green roof because yeah. it's probably not the, the the official term of having a green roof. But because you're putting pots up there, again, you're bringing more biodiversity into the world, which has got to be a good thing. You know, more plants, more greenery. That's what we need. So I interviewed Ian Hamilton. He's um, He was from a green roof, roof organisation. Okay. And they're interfacing green roofs with solar. Yes, they are by solar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... If you have a green roof and solar together, yeah, uh, solar panels work more efficiently when they're cooler. So if you have plant life underneath and around them, obviously yeah, exactly. over them, mm -hmm. it cools the air cools around the them, yeah. cools the mm -hmm. roof, therefore making the solar panel cooler, therefore increasing the efficiency. 
perfect for but energy. The two go together. They do. It's a massive plus. They do, yeah. I mean, and there are other benefits to having green roofs as well, which which is incredible. But yes, you're right about bringing down the temperature is so so important. Yeah, but I guess from my point of view, I mean, the energy side of it is 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 brilliant, absolutely brilliant, and that's really good to 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 comment on because that's so mm. true. Um, but from my point of view, with the, all the houses and everything that are being developed at the moment, if we could, you know, give them green roofs. Yeah. I mean, what you know, what we'd be taking is the footprint of the land, which we're taking quite a lot, a lot of the time. But we could give something back, which I think yeah. is so important. And you've got birds nesting on green roofs. You've got um, well, you've got red black starts um, or black red black red starts. I'm not quite sure on that one. I'll have to speak to Dusty of um, the Green Roof Organisation. I think they're black red starts, um, but they're nesting in the shrubs and the trees that you can have on green roofs. You've got bees nesting in cob walls, so it's the solitary bees. Um, you've got lapwings um, because mm. you, some, pe- some people put shingle on, on a green roof as well. And, and nature is finding um, these environments and, and benefiting from them. You know, if you're on a green roof, for instance, you haven't got the, um, the land-based predators with hungry eyes looking at you, have you? You've yeah. got you've got the, the the you know the falcons and the um and the birds of prey still obviously which you have to consider, but then there'll be there'll be camouflage issues and all that sort of thing that yeah. um, wildlife will be able to manage. And what about water as well? Because if we uh, if we've got loads of green roofs and we're absorbing all that water at the roof, yeah, it's not going into the drainage, therefore not putting pressure on the drainage system, exactly. therefore not creating floods possibly. Yeah, exactly. No, it's no so all... about it. It's true yeah it all right. adds up doesn't it it's, it does all it's add a up. plus plus win-win situation as it such. is and that's why yeah. i'm delighted to be a member of grow i'll just show you that i've got their little little pin that i wear with pride um because it, it just makes sense and for mark to have that understanding of looking at the bigger picture there you go that's, that's the grow logo right you can see that yeah 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 i've seen that yeah so when they asked me about you know they love the idea of Phoebe the Bee and some of the other books, and they love the idea of what we were doing and educating children. We started quite soon after that discussion, really having a discussion about doing a book about a green roof and the benefit of green roofs to inform children how important green roofs are as a structure. Like you've, we've just discussed some of those points, yeah. but also um, to give back to biodiversity and for children to understand the need and the necessity for green roofs and green roof organization have their um have their slogan you know every roof should be green and yeah. i kind of tend to agree with that i really yeah. do um for all the reasons we've discussed and more so i i wrote a story called journey to the green roof which is going back to um our insect world because um and our pollinators world very much so so it's a story of freya who is a hairy footed flower bee so she's a solitary bee and um and sarah um, a seven spot ladybird and it's their journey that they each take and the adventures that they have along where, the way where do these names the come room. from by the way stanley what stanley is that? water roll where did he come from i don't know i, I really don't know in all honesty but when i oh, get you disappointed name, me i'd have thought yeah <laughs> i was gonna say well he's my no 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 I, I take some time i really take some time to get my name right i really do there needs to be a not just a buzz in me about it but they need it needs to sound right to me and i, I go because they don't rhyme do they no they're not rhyming no. but they're just no but they, they be- don't it's funny because they become the character i like yeah. the way they become the character yeah I, I, it's it's a hard one paul in all honesty i mean phoebe the bee was yeah i get phoebe because phoebe, phoebe yeah, it yeah. kind of made sense to me phoebe the bee um spike the hedgehog i guess for children's eyes yeah, yeah spike, spike i get that one yeah, absolutely got the spikes. Sense. 
but Stanley, I mean, yeah, the water bowl, I, I'm not sure, but I just remember thinking it and thinking it in my mind. I went, yeah, that's it. I, I get a good feeling when, when a name comes to me and I go, right. yeah, that's it. But I, sometimes I ask my kids, actually, I, um, when I was writing um, Sunny the Swift, I was kind of saying, because Sunny's got a partner as well. And I was kind of going, right, you know, let's think about names. But I love that. I love that creative process of, yeah. of thinking of a character and thinking of the name for that character. And it has to fit. It mm. has to, has to fit. And so Freya, hairy-footed flower bee, and Sarah, a seven-spot ladybird, it just came from somewhere. Um, and it and it fitted to me and it, and it sounded right to me. And so once something clicks into place, it's there. And, and we move on from there. So, yeah. So you look to me, uh, you're on a roll, really, regarding if you've got future plans for more. Is it going to be more and more books or what's the plan? Yeah, well, I've got an amazing team. I've got an amazing composer, as you know, in Chris Simons, yeah. um, which is fantastic. And our um, our amazing illustrator, Emily um, Hocking. And, and, and do you know, I mean, when I first approached Emily about writing and um, doing the illustrations for our books, she um, she's never done a book before. I right. mean, and her illustrations are just stunning. Yeah. Um, and we always wanted it to be anatomically correct as well. But in answer to your question, um, there, there's a backlog um, already because right. I, I, I got carried away when I kind of got into this at the start. I thought there's so many animals out there that need our help right now um, that we need to educate children about and also give them the understanding of what they can do to help. Mm. Um, so I've written one about a bat. I've written one about a um, I've written one about a, um, a swift, Sunny the Swift and Pipe, um, Piper the Bat. I mean, Piper came along because obviously it's a pipistrelle, so it makes sense. But again, there's so much we can do to look after them. Yeah. Um, and I've also written an epic that needs a, needs some um, some editing, um, and that will be coming out one day as well. And I, I can't tell you much about that one because, um, yeah, that that's kind of in, in the distance there, but it's 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 done. Um, but I think that would be for a slightly older older audience. I think that would be more the teenage market. Nice. Um, so that that's a kind of a, a bit of a a new thing for me to maybe look into. Yeah. Um, but you know what? In terms of tales from tales from the countryside, you can add so much more to this. People can. say, "Can I write a story about a worm?" Because obviously, yeah. the antics that the they do under that, under the well. ground and the importance of soil, because that that is the foundation of everything, in my understanding, and what mm. I've learned through this process. Um, and then also reptiles. People want, want me to write stories about snakes and um, and that kind of thing as well, adders and all that, just to give people that understanding and that connection and and you get children that love reptiles you get children that love birds obviously bandit the blue tip will be coming out hopefully towards the end of this year we put bandit on hold a little bit because the wonderful people at um mclaughlin and harvey um supported us massively with um with um stanley and so we pulled stanley a little bit ahead of right. um bandit um because and actually stanley is is changing is changing so many children's lives in a way They're they're doing litter collecting um, champions that they're, they're actually making um, when they go out to schools, when they do with Stanley and they all, they get um, little certificates, Stanley, the water, the water yeah. bowl certificate champion, litter champion certificates. And they're all out there collecting litter, which is incredible, just incredible to think that from a, from an idea, tangible results can actually happen and children's minds can be, um opened to an understanding that mm. will stay with them for life yeah. because i believe once you're connected with nature you you fundamentally understand and you know that it's it's a big part of you and it's a big part of the world and it's and it's so so special needs total respect and needs looking after and, if, and again if we can be part of that process and we are part of that process 
I remember the first person that mentioned that to me when I said, you know, I want to somehow make a difference and, and make this work. And they, they came back to us and they said, that's what you're doing. I was, I was quite choked. Yeah. <laughs> I really was. I because, think they're amazing. I, yeah. I love the, the, you mentioned the artwork earlier. The, it's, we're looking at that behind you now. That's just beautiful, isn't it? The Phoebe. Phoebe. Yeah. It, it is, it's stunning. And obviously when we go and talking about dandelions, I mean, dandelions, obviously Phoebe's favourite flower, favourite bloom. She, she looked out for dandelions because, again, that highlights the importance of dandelions in children's minds. Mm. And that's really important um, for all the reasons we discussed. Um, and Stanley, I mean, oh my goodness, Stanley, I mean, bless his heart when he, you know, the waterfall where he lives near gets choked in, with plastic. And... Um, you know, and there he is in, in his burrow where we're, we're helping, we're doing the stream clean, but he doesn't know that. And he's sitting there so scared in his burrow. Right. So although we're, we're trying to do everything we can do to help the wildlife, wildlife don't realise we're there to help. No. Or oh, some of us, are there, you know, we, we've got good intentions. They, they're just, um, you know, they're, they're just sitting there quiet as a mouse and hardly daring to breathe. And so... It's bringing all those aspects into children's minds. Um, and what I've done with the books is kept them very simple, I think, in a way, because mm. children are bombarded with so much tech, so much stuff. Yeah. Um, sometimes I just go out and simply pick up a book and read to the children. Sorry, when's the release date of book four? Yeah, Journey to the Green Roof, which I'm, um, it's our first commissioned book, actually, which is incredible. It comes out on World Green Roof Day, which is very right. apt, the 6th of June. 6th so of not June. Long. It's in production. It's being printed as we speak, which right. is really exciting. Really, so really this will be a good timing for it. And we'll have to try and do some more launches. This will go out Friday. Um, so we'll have to do something nearer the time as well. Oh, that'd be amazing. Because we, we need something with, with you holding the book up. Because yes. it wouldn't be a... It wouldn't be a proper podcast without no, the book, would it? No, absolutely. We always so have you got all three up. books in front of you now? Can you can you show the books? <laughs> yep. Because this will go out on YouTube later. Um, wow. All three books. I don't know which one you want in the front. Which one do you want in the front? Phoebe. Well, so there's Phoebe. There's Phoebe. Yep. There's Phoebe the Bee. And that book's been to Bangladesh and Thailand. We sent and it out, Sing do you remember? And Singapore as well. And Singapore, and brilliant. Incredibly. And America has gone to. It's Fantastic. Gone to Australia, Fantastic. Um, parts of Europe. Um, yeah. And lots of children are, are really engaging with Phoebe, which is brilliant as, as, as that message travels around the world, really. And it brilliant. just makes a difference, which is brilliant. And then we've got Spike. He's obviously yep. nocturnal, so it's a little bit darker than yeah. the front cover than the others. But yeah, Spike's the hedgehogs, all about the hedgehog highway and looking after hedgehogs and being more hedgehog aware. And then we've got our latest, which is Stanley, Stanley the Water Bowl, which is looking and at all the, plastics. And all these books have music to them, don't they? That they Chris do. put together, compose yeah. something. They have music and also um, our four tracks. And we've actually got QR codes now in them. So there is a CD in each one. I haven't gone away with the CD just yet. Yeah. Um, in in fact, the um the book that's coming out, Journey to the Green Roof, we actually that's the first one we haven't got a CD in. Um, but it's not Tales from the Countryside series. It's actually Tales from the City. So who knows? In the future, Paul, there may be some more Tales from the City coming out that I can right. write. Um, but at the moment, it's Tales from the Countryside that I'm still completely Focusing. invested in developing, and and more books coming out Tales from the Countryside. 
but then who knows we can do tales from tales from the ocean I, i've been i've been approached about writing stories about um seals as well oh, um, definitely, and, yeah. and and just tales from the jungle tales from you know it, it it can grow it really can because there can be tales from all sorts of areas and elements and as long as that fundamental element is there whereby children and and adults and parents can actually do something to support to help um mm. that animal that they've read about that they've connected with um to feel that they're making a difference that's yeah. that's the whole that's the whole element that is perpetuated throughout our work so when you have the you know you have the puzzle you have the fun facts page you have the um, conservation message it's it's all aimed at underlying underlining those issues of we can do this we can come together we can help we can make a difference for this animal that needs help right now yeah so putting that to any animal really because when when i do my um, my workshops when i go in to see children in schools you know, I, I sometimes talk to them and say, right, what animals need our help right now? And it just focuses child's mind to kind of think a little bit bigger than than maybe their classroom necessarily and, yeah. and their needs. Um, and they come up with polar bears and, and owls and foxes and, and elephants and tigers and, and all the, you know, the big ones out there as well. And 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 really the, you know, what we all sort of summarize after that is the fact that they all need our help. You know, they are part of the living world as we are and, and we all need help. So um, that's a good place where we start our presentations, really. And then I talk to them about, obviously, if I'm talking to them about bees, the most important living species on the planet, and we go from there. Yeah. But they don't seem to realise the pollination element. That's another thing that, you know, when I teach children that they really take on board. Yeah, I kind of say, right, who out there has got an apple in their lunchbox and who likes bananas and who likes oranges? And uh Children are kind of so quick to put their hands up and and even chocolate. My goodness, you know, if we didn't have bees, we wouldn't have chocolate, which is which is crippling around Easter time for a lot of children. They kind of sit up and listen a lot more around that time. <laughs> Jenny, this is a really amazing story. And you, the reason why you're number three on the episode, because you've got so much to give. And it's really amazing what you've done with these books. And I'm just amazed by, it. I, you know, one minute we're talking about one book and now it's going four, and then you're talking about all these others in the pipeline. So I'm going to tell you a story. Someone told me once you get to episode number 12, wow. you've done it. You've done it. When you get to 100, people start to make take you seriously. So you've got to get to book Quite number 100 before they take <laughs> you seriously, sorry to say. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be different for you because you've, you've, I reckon by the time you get to five books, I think that's when the momentum's really going to be going. And you're wow. there. You're there. You're doing an well, amazing job. I love talking to you. It's brilliant. Oh, bless your heart, Paul. Thank you so much. I mean, I've got to also say with, with the book that's coming out, The Journey to the Green Roof, we have about 34 sponsors on board, which are getting completely behind it. So we'll have, and Fantastic. I'm so grateful to them for their very, very kind support um, through Grow as well. So they're Grow members. Yeah. Um, and they're going to be going out doing their own thing with, with the book um, and going out to schools and doing their CSR work and that sort of thing. So we've almost got, you could look at it in a way as thinking we've got 34 champions that are out there yeah. um, supporting Journey to the Green Roof because well, I'm off, their industry, which is wonderful. I'm off to Thailand in September. I would like to take book two, book three and book four with of me. Course. And yes. I'll make sure that they all get read and we get some 
publicity going for you out there. So thank you for oh, that. Cool. You're incredible. And thank you for what you do as well. And I'm absolutely honoured that I'm I'm on here for another time on your podcast because 117 podcasts is incredible. So you've obviously got over that that 12 and 100 sort of yeah, element. Yeah. So people thank are you. seriously taking you serious. Appreciate <laughs> and it. you've made it, Paul, definitely. We're going to have a picture up and it's going to be, why have you got all those Jenny Bailey's on there? Uh, <laughs> Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you so much. It's such a joy to catch up with you, Paul, and stay well, won't you? Keep well. And please, you and your family stay safe in these times. Likewise.